Stop there a second. Say that again. I've had to push the concept of being the church as opposed to being at a church. In other words, move from traditionalism to truth. Move from church membership to kingdom discipleship. And so it's been interesting to see how the Lord has been doing it. Now, a friend is someone that you can just pick up the phone and say, hey, what are you doing tomorrow morning at 830 Let's record a radio show together. Hi, <laughs> and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. I have such friend in the studio right now. This program is recorded, so it's not live at the 3 o'clock time, but mm-hmm. we're here early the morning of the show, and I've got Reginald Taylor, pastor at the Rock Church. Mm-hmm. Reginald, it is so good to have you back. It's been too long. It's good to be here, Doc. I saw you down at Brown Church back a few months ago. Right, back in April. Yeah, so much has been going on, I know. And there's some exciting things happening at the Rock Church. Yes, sir. Special dedications happening real soon, uh, this month, I believe. That's exactly right. What's happening? Well, so, Byron, we launched our church the first Sunday in October back in 2010. In our first year, we had to move five times Uh, Hotels were saying you're too loud and too large. We were in a fitness center that um, were actually leasing to us while in foreclosure. We went to Hamilton Community Center. They had eight or ten more churches uh, meeting in there. So just constant having to move. We got a spot on State Line Road from Mr. Alvin Baines, and we stayed in that spot for ten years. Well, the Lord has blessed us with a church building. And our church building is at 4670 Mary Angela Road in the 38109 area. We are in Coral Lake in the back door of Westwood. So we located about 10 or 12 minutes from where we were. We're just off Shelby Drive, just west of Weaver Road. Kind of in the neighborhood of my friend Melvin Watkins. That's exactly right. All right. That's exactly right. And so you've actually stepped across the boundary there from Mississippi. That's exactly right. You feel good about that? Feel real good about that. Because, you know, I'm a Memphian. I came up in South Memphis, and I helped tear up and corrupt South Memphis, and I've been longing to be in Memphis. The Lord has made it happen. When you say, and we've told the story before, but when you say tear up and corrupt, to what degree? What are you talking about? Well, so you know my story, but we'll share with your listeners. When I was 11, I began to sell one and two kilos of crack cocaine every week, two and three hundred pounds of marijuana every week. Um, Of course, I had a team of guys and girls who were doing that for the areas in Memphis where I didn't have crack houses. I served or I supplied to people uh, who had crack houses. So just as the wave of the crack epidemic came, uh, some of my heroes who were doing well and getting money Around 84, they tried crack. About 85, they were strung out on crack. At 11 years old, at that time, I jumped into what we call the dope game and became manufacturer and distributor. And so that's what we mean. And so 
Um, I have a lot of friends who are dead, a lot of friends who are still in the penitentiary, and a number of friends who are strung out. So in my own plight, I was some of the beginning of their ending, and I want to play a role in their new beginning. So not just destructive, but constructive, rebuilding, new life, because the Bible tells us, doesn't it, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have gone, new things have come. It doesn't mean we don't sometimes struggle with old things. That that flesh has that pull on us. We have to uh, guard our hearts. And as the scripture teaches, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, man, so, you know, I was most likely not to succeed. You know, eighth grade dropout. I've been incarcerated five times. Uh, I got my GED when I was incarcerated. It took me three years to get a social degree. It took me another five to get a bachelor's. I've done a Master of Christian Studies at Union, a Master of Divinity at Capital Seminary. I've just conferred a Master of Theology through Midwestern, and I'm currently pursuing the Ph.D. at Midwestern. So I'm still growing. Uh, but it's the power of Christ, it's the Word of God, and it's the community of the believers that has been and that is shaping me. And I believe for any man or woman or child who gets connected to Christ and his body, he or she can be transformed. Twelve years now for the ministry, celebrating this grand opening of uh, the new sanctuary at the Rock Church, as you mentioned, 4670 Mary Angela Road in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Reginald, what's been the biggest surprise to you about the way God has directed the Rock Church these past 12 years? It's, it's been interesting to see how he do his own thing in his time. What I've tried to do was lead our people into being Bible-based, spirit-led, Christ-centered, discipleship-driven, and mission-focused. I've tried to raise up some leaders who will serve a church that is internally strong and externally focused. So I've had to push for these 12 years, I've had to push the concept of being the church as opposed to being at a church. Ooh, can you stop there a sec? Say that again. I've had to push the concept of being the church as opposed to being at a church. In other words, move from traditionalism to truth, move from church membership to kingdom discipleship. And so it's been interesting to see how the Lord has been doing it. Um, We are trying to lead men and women to um, develop and be disciplined in four disciplines. Uh, Robert Gallaudet calls these the disciplines of a devoted disciple. And that is Byron praying continually, reading scripture and journaling daily, memorizing scripture weekly, and relying on the Spirit consistently. Praying continually, reading scripture and journaling daily, memorizing scripture weekly, and relying on the Spirit consistently. It's my contention that discipleship and kingdom living uh, is not just that, but it's certainly not without that. that. That's where your transformation begins and continues. If you practice, if any man or woman will practice those four disciplines, he or she will facilitate the growth in our lives. So, you know, we can't grow ourselves. We can't change ourselves. What we have to do is position ourselves to give God the space to use his grace to transform us. 
Reginald, pastor. Oh, my. Is that why we see weak churches? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I don't want to come across as making an excuse for not uh, being mega. But we can grow a big church and still displease God. His great commission is the marching orders for the church. And so if we're not becoming reproducing disciple-making disciples, then we're living in disobedience. And I will contend our churches are weak. Does this make sense to you? Oh, my goodness, yes. I'm seeing that more and more as we look at following the mandate of Christ when he left earth, Mm -hmm. go and make disciples. And we have all kinds of programs. We have all kinds of ways of cute saying phrases, trying to get people in the church. But we're negating the responsibility that our Savior gave us. He died giving us this, this mandate. So I'm I'm really really excited about the Rock Church and it's it's um the momentum is high, um the presence of His Spirit is thick and the church is being saturated with the Word of God through myself and through other leaders. So if I may, Byron, the Lord led me to plant this church. He led me to plant in 1996. Uh, my pastor, Dr. Frankie Ray, and some other. Ministers, we were going to the first E.K. Bailey Expository Preaching Institute in July of 96. On my way in the van, me being 19, about to turn 20, I couldn't drive. At that time, you had to be 25 or older to help drive uh, church vans. Uh, I'm reading um, The Purpose Driven Church. Rick Warren's first book that didn't get a lot of press, because the purpose in life sold over 40 million copies, but I'm reading that book. So headed to, and during that conference, I read that book, and I could sense the Lord calling me to plant a church. Coming out of a National Baptist context, my frame of reference was organizing a church. That's when a guy's about to get kicked out of his church, but he splits the church so that he'll have somewhere to preach. He'll have a church and a check. (laughs) And so I kind of just put the concept on the shelf. Uh, But the Lord used me at New Salem. I preached that nice service for four years as a very, very young man. And then I went to Cummins Street as a Gary Faulkner's project manager, and I got to teach and preach there quite a bit. Then the Lord called me to Second Baptist in Hernando okay. in 2002. Now, were you at Cummings when Dwight Gwynn was there? I was with Dwight Gwynn. That's you know, exactly you know, Dwight right. and I were at Mid-South Bible College together. Dwight and I helped launch uh, the Bible Institute in the life of the Cummings Street uh, Missionary Baptist Church, which is still going on in Ghana. With the work yeah. him and his wife is doing in Ghana. Yeah. Yeah. And so and so I took the church in Hernando with the agreement that we would plant disciple-making churches, like most churches. So how did this uh, this idea of planting churches become on your radar? That's what I'm saying. In 96, reading that book. The Purpose Driven Church the by The Purpose Warren. Driven Church. The Lord was using that book to say to me, this is the way to make disciples. So let me say this. If you try to build a church, you very seldom make a disciple. But if you make disciples, 
you will build a church. Oh, I like that. I like Does that. Does that make sense? It makes sense, yes. Well, I, know it's, I know it's ringing well with you because Pastor Will Franco is about the same thing. Yes. Like everything is changing at your church. It is. In terms of the elders and the leaders and, and staff persons, and it's all centered around yes. becoming disciple-making disciples. I could be more excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah like even, even the concept of different locations. Um, those locations in your context are about to become plants yes. that stand and thrive and reproduce on their own. And so just part of the DNA of the church is this concept of reproducing. And so we could launch we could launch campuses, we could launch churches, but what we want to do is we want to raise up disciple making disciples. This is this work that I'm committed to that, that we call the Rock Church. The Rock Church. How did that name come about originally? I'm glad you asked. Uh, Matthew 24, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I shall liken him unto a wise man that built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the wind blew and beat up on that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. So we're trying to build a church that's founded on the Word of God. That's so when we say when we say uh, Bible based, we refer to the written Word. When we say Christ centered, we refer to the living Word. Uh, when we say Spirit led, we refer to the moving Word. When we say <laughs> discipleship driven, we refer to the expanding Word. And when we say mission focus, we refer to the moving Word. <laughs> And so we're trying to be a word church. Amen. I as love a, it. As a preacher, I'm trying to impart the word to impact people's world. Oh, pastor. And we need that. We need to be impacting the world with the word because the word and our Christ is the only transforming power of anything that's going that's to change. Correct. What has been some of the hardest things that you've had to encounter so far in this ministry? Um, so like, like any pastor— People leaving, people dying, and people digressing in their faith. How hard is that when you see people digressing in their faith? It's overwhelming. I can think of four or five people who've chosen alternative lifestyles, and I can remember saying, what did I do wrong, Lord, if she if she would choose to marry a woman or he would choose to leave this church because I want performance nuptials. What what have I done wrong? Some of some of these kids, I went to their ball games. I subbed at their schools and they get into their early or late twenties and leave the faith. Uh, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. I think the Apostle Paul also, I mean, he talked about as his children. Yeah. Children in the faith. Yeah. You're a parent, and yeah. I'm a parent. Anytime yeah. you see your children or your grandchildren. Yeah, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And there is some sense of um, responsibility that overwhelms us. And I don't know if that's convoluted or not. But like I said, I'm saying I want to think that I should have had the kind of influence and the kind of impact um, that would keep them from straying away from the faith. But the truth is we're not God. And we don't we don't win them all, and uh, so that's 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 been a painful thing. That, that that's a part that's a part of the ministry. And some do depart from the faith. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, yeah. yeah. Uh, when it comes to outreach, 
the church is relatively a young church, 12 years yeah, old, yeah, yeah. but you're looking at ways of planting more churches? Yeah. So um, someone has said, if, you're, if you can accomplish your vision, it's not big enough. So in my situation, with the ebb and flow, um, you know, when, when we launched, I'm looking at 165, 175 people in a two-way hotel ballroom. Um, <laughs> when I when I um, got married, I saw a whole lot of people leave. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I've had sons in the ministry who take churches and take some people uh, with them. What I've tried to do with the membership is to love them deeply and hold them loosely because I think that when we grow, we have to go. One way or another, when we grow, we have to go. And so, um, but I'm still dreaming big. I'm still thinking kingdom. I'm still Great Commission driven um, that that not only should I be making disciples as an individual, I think the church should be making disciples as an institution. And so if I could give you our spiel, uh, a part of our vision is that we would be seven M's, a miracle church that's where people are experiencing the power of God. And that begins with salvation and transformation. So you see guys and girls who were strung out on heroin who are now leading businesses and leading Bible studies and leading discipleship groups. Does this make sense to you? Uh, Not only a miracle church, but also a missional church, a church where the people in the pew are carrying the gospel to the four corners of the globe, and they are living on mission where they live, work, and play and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, We're praying for a musical church where God is worshiped in various genres of music. That's kind of in my spirit because it came out of my loins. You see that with Reginald II. Uh, He worships and leads worships in various genres of music. Well, I'm trusting God that in this predominantly African-American church, we'll have that kind of music and worship ministry. But not only a missional church, a musical church, and a miracle church, but then a multicultural church. Uh, Based on Revelation 7 and 9, John saw a number that no man could number coming out of every tribe, every tongue, every ethnicity. And so here again, even though I'm primarily looking at black people, I'm seeing brown people and white people and Mexican people and and on and on and on. Um, And I shamefully say the next gem is we pray for a mega church where several thousand people gather for worship. Several hundred ministries and auxiliary are serving people, meeting various needs in various ways. Uh, Then we pray for a magnifying church. That's our last M uh, where God is glorified and the Son is magnified. My pastor said this, God honors those who honor his Son. We want to make a big deal out of Jesus. And just before the magnifying M, there's a multiplying church. And the concept, Baron, is this, a church where pastors and churches are birthed and budgeted. I'm not trying to be their bishop or their overseer or they prelate. I'm trying to 
plant men into churches with a team around them, give them their building, their land, their space, give them the human and financial resources so that they won't have to grind for 12 years like I did to get a building. Does this make sense? And I just believe that there's a shift in our ministry and the momentum is high and the Lord finna provide those resources. My responsibility is to not try to get all I can, sit on the can and can the can, but to reinvest what he sends to the rock. For, for the expansion of his kingdom. Amen. I love that. That's beautiful, Reginald. That's beautiful. Well, what about your relationship with your wife? How has that grown through the time you both served together in this ministry? Oh, man, it is phenomenal. My wife is uh, my best friend and my strongest ministry partner. And it's organic. It's not something I require. It's not something she's pushing and pulling for. She's not one of those overly involved, as we say in the black church, first ladies. Uh, she's just a disciple-making disciple. She she lead women groups, and she's discipling women. At this point, I think she has three groups this year. She launched three groups, uh, two in person and one on Zoom or, or the other way around. And um, one of the things I wanted to steer clear of is sacrificing my marriage yes. on the altar of ministry. Yes. I hadn't. I hadn't even had to make a decision one or the other. Um, I try to do like some of the old saints, give my mornings to God, give my afternoons to men, and give my evenings to the family. And so I've I've tried to make my wife only second to Jesus Christ. And the Lord been gracious in doing it. And everything I'm sowing and pouring into my wife, I'm reaping it back a hundredfold. Right. She has dealt with the frustrations of the storefront building. It's it's a water leak. It's a pipe busted. The units ain't working. We blowing fans. Boom, 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 boom. And just with a good spirit, she has grinded and helped her husband and served the membership. And with the renovation of this building, just her and the team has just been phenomenal in making this a beautiful place of worship. Because he who finds a wife finds a good thing, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> and obtain favor from the Lord. Yes, yeah. a combination of both yeah. we need. And especially when you're in the ministry, because you mentioned sacrificing family in light of a ministry. You know, you, that, so many do that. So yeah. many have done that. And the fruit of that direction is obvious from children and yeah. bad relationships. You know, yeah. I mean, pastors, pastors' wives... Many, uh, I've got, I know some in, in the city, their, their wives have left them, you know. Yeah, yeah. The, obviously, the enemy, there's so much, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's a tango web we weave. But the Lord has been really gracious yeah. with the wife he gave me and the point in my plight when he gave her to me. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Okay, we've got the celebration again. It's going to be coming up on October 30th. Uh, 12-year celebration, mission, and ministry, the grand opening and dedication, consecration of the new sanctuary. Yes, sir. Uh, tell me some of the events. What's going to take place? Well, so, you know, we have a we have a format in our church of uh, praise, prayer, and preaching. Praise, prayer, and preaching. And so we're not doing anything beyond praise, prayer, and preaching. So there's not some big 
program agenda is just praise, prayer, and preaching in those both services. At 930, I will be preaching, and then I will have a, a special time of consecration and dedication where I'll be praying over the building and touching the pews and walking, um, and we'll do the same thing at 3 o'clock. At 3 o'clock, my pastor, Dr. Frankie Ray Sr. and the New Salem Church is going to come and worship with us, and I imagine before he preaches, they will sing two or three numbers, uh, but our basic format is praise, prayer, and preaching. Praise, prayer, and preaching. Yep. Praise, prayer, and preaching. Yes, sir. Maybe we should live our lives like that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. I had a charismatic friend that say, um, Reginald, I like your church. You aim high, strike fire, and say goodbye. <laughs> and uh, so it don't take all day to do anything. As we start to wrap up here, Reginald, just a, a quick word on the view of the church in today's culture. So um, there are several ways to answer that. What I'm going to go is I'm going to try to be biblical and missional. God has placed us here to be change agents in the earth. And Byron, for me, that does not mean changing governmental policy. That does not mean protesting everything that's wrong. For me, that means being salt that preserves and purifies and being light that penetrates and glorifies. So I think the challenge for the church in the 21st century is to really be real. As we share the gospel of Christ and show the love of Christ, we can attract people to the person of Christ. So I think that's the role and responsibility of the church. Attracting people to Jesus, not necessarily our philosophy or our program. That's correct. But to him. That's correct. That's the church, right? That's the church. Yeah. That's the church. Wow. I knew this was going to be great. Thank you so much for, on a last minute, yeah. coming by, sharing today. I'm, congratulations on the dedication of this new property Thank you so for the much, glory man. of Christ. Thank you so much. Thank you for stopping by, Reginald. I really appreciate it so much. Now, if friends want to know more about the ministry of The Rock Church, what can they do? So we are online at therockchurchmemphis.com. Of course, our Facebook page is The Rock Church Memphis. Um, our church email is therockchurch2010 at outlook.com. We're going live on Facebook every week um, from my page, Reginald D. Taylor or the Rock Church of Memphis. Our landline phone number is new, so I can't give you that <laughs> phone okay. number. That's okay. Uh, right now, if somebody want to reach me, I'm at area 901-258-2876. And Byron, this goes for you. I'll say to you what I say to my members. You can call me. It's never too late, never too early. God bless you. If I'm conscious. I'm going to take your call. God bless you. Yeah. Reginald Taylor, my friend, God bless you, my brother. Thank you for what you're allowing Christ to do in and through you for his glory, for his kingdom, mm -hmm. and the spread of the gospel here in our community. Thank you, my brother. God bless you. Stay encouraged. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Hold on, don't give up.